May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, how is everyone this Sunday morning? All right, good. Glad to hear it. Question for you as we start things off for the sermon is, have you ever been in an episode or an experience where someone mistook you for someone or something else? And what I'm getting at there is mistaken identity. I had one of these moments in my life last week, which I've been reflecting upon. And that is with, uh, as Joe is still away and returns, you know, the staff kind of thought, hey, boss is away. Maybe we can have a little bit of a slower time. But I tell you, life has been in ministry, have been in full force uh, while he has been away. And our pastoral hospital visits seem to have taken a little uptick. So those visits had me visiting one of our parishioners a few times down at Baptist downtown uh, this coming week or last week. And this is where one of the biggest mistaken identity episodes I've ever been through had happened. And as I was going to see this parishioner of ours, uh, one of the chief doctors that is a surgeon over there said, are you a chaplain here at the hospital? And I said, no, sir, I'm just here to see one of our parishioners that will be going through surgery and to pray with them. And he said, well, I don't care if you're a chaplain or not. Could, could you pray with me? Because we have a surgery coming up, my team and I, and we would just like all the help we can get. So I was honored to be asked to pray with that doctor. And then something caught me out of the blue. And that was, there, there was a, I, she was either in early or late high school or college age young woman. And she had watched while uh, I was praying with this doctor. And I think she thought I was somebody that I am not. And as uh, I was dressed a little nicer than I normally do, I had a suit coat, a sports coat on. And so maybe she thought I was some kind of big wig at the hospital or something. And as she came up after I parted ways with the doctor, she said, can I ask you about something? But she was speaking very quietly. And I said, repeat, repeat yourself. And then she repeated a few times and she asked about the fourth floor and when it would be done. And my answer to her was, huh? And then she says, you don't know the answer to that? And I said, no, I'm sorry, I don't. And then she says, well, if you don't know that, how about th this uh, insurance that my uh, question I've had with my grandmother, who's over in room 223? And I said, once again, huh? <laughs> and she, noticed, she finally noticed this, it was a little hidden by the coat I was wearing that I had a collar the pastoral collar on, and she says, oh my gosh, I thought you were the head of staff here at the hospital, and I'm sorry, I mistook you for something else. And I said, don't apologize, I have never been called a head of staff of a hospital. I am honored, but mistaken identity happens. And we hear there is a lot, that theme of mistaken identity happens all the way through the 13 verses we have in Mark 6 this morning in that gospel. So that's what I want to do with our time this morning in the sermon. We're going to talk about three things. Part one 
is Jesus and what he is going through and what we hear today. Part two is the disciples that are with Jesus. And then finally, what does it mean for us? So that's our three points this morning. We hear in verse 1 of chapter 6 of Mark, we just kind of recapping where we have been. In Mark 1, Jesus comes on the scene, and he is a carpenter and preparing his carpenter skills. And then life takes, as we expect and know the story well by now, life takes in Mark 2 a different scene with Jesus as John the Baptist baptizes Jesus in the Jordan River and releases his ministry. His earthly ministry begins. And then Jesus leaves his hometown of Nazareth. He goes out to the surrounding villages to do what he came to earth to do, to teach and to preach, to heal, to cast out demons, we hear. And we hear he's gaining quite popularity as he's traveling from place to place as a visiting rabbi. And we hear he's done great, powerful teaching and preaching. He has healed a number of people and even cast out some demons. So things are going well in the first five chapters of Mark, which we've been hearing about over the past few weeks. And Chapter 6 takes a bit of a turn, a bit of a U-turn for Jesus. Just last week, he had healed Jairus' daughter, who was on her deathbed, and as well, he healed the bleeding woman that had been with this bleeding condition for 12 years. No problems there until he comes home. He's coming home to Nazareth in chapter 6. And as you know, in homecoming, what does home mean? He was coming home to the people that knew him best, to the ladies that would change his diaper as a young boy, to some of the men that would walk with him from a young boy into teenage years. And he had teachers himself in the synagogue where he would sit and listen and learn about life and faith in his day and in his culture. And we hear as he's coming back to Nazareth, he's done all these great and exciting things. His name is becoming popular because of everything he's doing as a traveling rabbi and prophet. And this is the first time that he has actually made fun of and he sees opposition from his hometown people that know him the best. And can you imagine, you, you heard in the text as they were saying, who is the, isn't that the carpenter? And how did he get all of these teachings? How does he, what, what has he been learning to speak in such power? And their unbelief of who Jesus was as they knew him as a child growing up, they can't imagine that that person could change into the Messiah the Savior of the world. And we are told that Jesus is astonished that the people that know him best will not accept him as his identity is becoming known. To show you just a little bit of the opposition that he faced, we hear that Jesus was the son of Mary. And keep in mind, this is pre-death and resurrection. And the people at this time, at the time this was written, do not know of the Immaculate Conception. 
They actually believe any child at that day and age would be the son of their father, not the son of their mother. So as a shot at Jesus and the unbelief that we're talking about being labeled the son of Mary, it is not a position of honor as we know it today. It is a shot that he is from a broken marriage and maybe Jesus was born of an affair. That is how deep and how much opposition Jesus was going through. Talk about, just like the story I opened up with, mistaken identity. This Jesus that we know and expect to do great things, that has been growing in fame and power because of his teachings and exorcisms and everything, healings going on. Here in chapter 6, mistaken identity. And he runs, we hear, he is only able to do just a few healings in his hometown because of this opposition to who he was and who he was becoming. And this leads us to part two, the second half of the gospel we have this morning, the actual disciples. And if you know much about the disciples, before Jesus releases them, into ministry, they're just kind of a bumbling group of idiots. Hey, without Jesus anointing upon those 12 and minus 111, there's no way we have a church today. And what we hear, Jesus is struggling with this unbelief, but he releases the disciples little by little, two by two, and they share in the ministry that Jesus had come to do. And all of a sudden, these imperfect guys are blessed and sent out, commissioned by Jesus to go and do the work that Jesus had been doing. And verse 13 ends us today on, they were out there doing the work Jesus was doing, his ministry. They were healing. They themselves were spreading the repent for the kingdom of God is near. And they even had the power via the Holy Spirit and the grace of God to cast out some demons. That's how verse 13 ends, taking us into the reading, which we will have next Sunday. Another example of not knowing the huh moment. Jesus is struggling not having much success. And here's the imperfect disciples all of a sudden just making a name for themselves. What is going on? And that leads us to our final. What does this mean for all of us? We may hear it. We may read the 13 verses we have today and think, well, we're Episcopalians. What does this actually say to us? But it actually has something large to say, deep meaning and understanding, even for us today as 21st century disciples of Jesus Christ. And that is look at the promises that come from it. Without the knowledge and understanding, without relationship, communion with Christ, we ourselves can do nothing. And we are told, just as these disciples are granted, they have the relationship with Christ, and they begin to do very great and powerful things in the name of Christ. But they are warned, 
You're going to go from town to town, speaking my message and doing these things. And you will be, you will be met with, because they have hated me, eventually so they will hate you as well. Yes, some will listen. Some's hearts will be changed. But especially in hometowns, prophets will be hated. And because of that, you, my disciples, will also face adversity when you come in my name. So what we see in that is, yes, we are called as 21st century disciples of Christ. And you may think it's a different context today. We're in a different time. And yes, that is true. But the calling of disciple never changes. The time and place does change. But we hear in other places in Scripture, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you heard in our epistle from the Corinthians this morning that God's power is made perfect in human weakness. What a message to boast in, that we, being imperfect and redeemed by the cross of Christ, live into the calling of being disciples and the work of what disciples do. And it starts with our relationship with Christ, our very meaning of being church of our Savior, the mission that we exist to help people wherever they are on their spiritual journey to live into a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And from that relationship, we are told there's nothing you cannot do. Of course, it may, we're told adversity will come, but being granted the power of the Holy Spirit, being in relationship with Christ, you are called as disciples of Christ to be world changers, to take his message of redeeming love and let that be the foundation. And from that foundation, great fruit of acts of service come. And I know this church knows it so well as I look and see, just as I see faces and how many ministries, as I've gotten to know you all over the last year and a half or longer, that you have, you recognize this foundation and calling to be disciples and you practice it. And it is just like a sponge we come here, we gather in our small groups, we study the word, we experience the sacrament, and we're like a sponge that soaks up all of that living water. And then the time comes and that sponge gets squeezed and the water spreads. And we see discipleship in all these acts of service and redemptive love that we are spreading. That's what it says to us today. Jesus, to the disciples, to us. And it goes on and on. And via the power of the Holy Spirit, we go out into that broken world and we share this love that we know all so well from the God who says he loves us, he died for us, and more importantly, he rose again. 
for us. And the world, the broken world out there needs this message and the fruit that comes from us living out his grace and the gospel message. All praise and honor be to the God who grants us the resurrection life and power as his disciples today. Amen.